Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. To the sweet sounds of Kevin All Bloody Sam. Wilson, All it's right. Hump Day with Swanee like and photos. friends, Samantha Richards, Hi. Dane Swan, you always take it, and yeah. guest friend Anthony Kudafides. How are we all good? Welcome. Good, good morning. Great to be here. Thanks for yeah. the invite. No, no worries. On our podcast, we don't do the long introduction, so I know... I noticed that. Yeah. We yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go through all your games and all Australians and everything. We just get straight into so it. So that's fair enough. Yeah. No worries. People Absolutely. can Google anyway if they yeah. really want to. Not here to fuck around, Kuda. Thank you. Not here to fuck around. Serious, hard-hitting <laughs> journalism. Exactly. Now, I, uh, we're delighted anyone of your stature to come in at any time, but uh, it popped up on our Facebook page for some reason, your Facebook page, yeah. and you take your son to training, and, and it looked like he, he enjoyed himself, and so did 8,000 Carlton supporters who go, beauty, we'll get Cooter's <coughs> autograph. Oh, yeah, that one there, uh, the open day, yeah. yeah. My son Lucas loves Carlton, so any opportunity I can, I try to get him down there. And I, like, we just didn't have that chance, but he was going to start school that week, and I rang up... Shane O'Sullivan, who I've known for many years. Is he still club. there? He's still there, believe it or not, yeah. <laughs> and he said, come down either Monday or Wednesday. And so we went down Wednesday. It was open day training yeah, there. Yeah. And, mate, the boys look extremely fit. Not that I can compare them to anyone else, but my son had a great time. He's asking for boots off everyone. Swanee, maybe you can give him a pair <laughs> yeah. as well. But anyone give him any? a couple, eh? Damn, who? Yeah, yeah, Sam Doherty did and uh, and Fisher. Oh, nice. Yeah, so yeah, so, so they're, the good, they're the good blokes of the footy club. Yeah, the rest are assholes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that was very nice of them. So we, yeah, we had a great day, but as I uh, walked out, I uh, just got stopped by one supporter and then quite a few came afterwards. Yeah. They remember I you, the young kids? I, I think, no, they wouldn't remember me, but I, their parents would have either told yeah. them or they've just followed the herd along yeah. and said, oh, I could <laughs> and just started whatever. But, uh, yeah, so I, I uh, stood there and signed it, mm. almost mm. took back the clock to the old days yeah. and uh, my son was there with his stroke of the cousins. ego yeah, yeah a little yeah my uh, son was there with his cousins and they were just like oh my god what just happened I'm like that that's nothing boys <laughs> <laughs> not to the old days was, do they realise who you, do your kids and your like nieces and nephews get it who Kuda yeah, is and was <laughs> yeah, yeah I think so yeah look it was, I think, hard for my son initially, my oldest boy, when he went to primary school. He was, he'd come home and say, Dad, Dad or Mum, you know, like people were saying, Oh, is your dad, you know, famous or he plays football? And that was just when I was like retiring. So still, my name was a little bit out there. I mean, obviously not 
in the best form of my career. But uh, yeah, so he found it maybe a little bit unusual. But my young one's more like, oh, sometimes he's, he sits in and he says, I can't believe you're my dad, you know, like <laughs> people talk about me. But at the end of the day, it's just father and son. So yeah, it's taken a little, and I'm sure like it affects kids in different ways too, you know, and I'm sure my oldest boy probably felt the pressure of maybe, you know, the way that, you know, I'm perceived out there in the public. I try to let him know I'm, I'm only human. I've had a lot of shocking <laughs> games too and some good ones and some, you know, good moments and bad moments. I'm just, you know, just... Had Suvlaki heart. And we had that. It was a, <laughs> don't talk about the ad. You bring that up, anyone? I'm not answering. No comment, right? Didn't take long. Three minutes in. Uh, yeah, and so, and, and so you're at the footy, Carlton Open, don't you? Take your yeah. boy, but don't tell me you don't close your eyes and go, fuck, how good was this playing at Princess Park in a packed house? I never deny that, uh, Ralph. I think it was the greatest uh, stadium, you know, in Australia at that time. I mean, you twenty thousand people who felt like you were playing in front of a hundred thousand. And the third quarter, for whatever reason, our culture was always we're kicking down the Heatley stand or whatever. In, and many occasions we kicked ten goals, you know. But you, as I played in the early nineties, you hear about all the supporters talking about what happened in the eighties and seventies. The guys will kick ten goals in the third quarter. We, we continued that for a long time there, and um, I felt like uh, Princess Park was. Our fortress. So the day we gave it away was a very sad moment, although proud for me because I captained the team there for the last time ever on that wonderful uh, stadium. And people that were around the 80s and 90s and 70s, 70s, 80s and 90s will never forget the times that they had there at the Icon Park. They always say it was the greatest moments, you know, and to have reflections of being there with their parents or father and <coughs> the way that Australia really was back then. And it was fun to play football. I remember many moments, Angel and I would even walk down to the uh, cheer squad, many... Uh, you know, mates in there, and you just say hello before a game. It felt like it was a family environment there. And John Elliott was the man who created that. I love him, always will, Jack, and uh, he was just the greatest president. I'm not sure, Carl. I'm not sure Clayman would have felt it's such a family environment when they walked down to Princess Park. I'm not sure they would have felt like you it was weren't a welcome there. And of yeah. course, yeah. you wouldn't have <laughs> felt that way. But there was a great moment in year 2000, Swanee, just before your time, and uh, yeah, where we thrashed Collingwood by about 100 and something points mm. at uh, Princess Park. It was the last time we played them there. And it was the first and the only time that I played uh, Collingwood there on the Oval. But, uh, yeah, we destroyed him that day. Ed, Ed mentions that often. He, he took Does it he? well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine Eddie would not have been happy. Would not have been happy. Well, I think we could go a hundred different ways here because you just brought him up. So you and Dane had one mm-hmm. club presidents dominating big, high profile. What was John Elliott to you and what was he to the club? Yeah, well, I didn't have him the entire because the last five years he'd left, but yeah. I've seen the difference it was while he was there and when he went away. So maybe took him for uh, for granted a little bit, but I adored the man. And uh, just his presence alone, when I first walked in at the end of 1990, I mean, it was such a successful club. It was the most successful club in the AFL. I was a Mad Collingwood supporter, Swanee, yeah. and uh, my brother was Mad Carlton. And every year I'd just sit there and I'd be like crying. My brother would be like, yeah, Carlton's won again, and, you know. So I never really understood the culture until I got there. But Jack sort of set the standards when I got there. He was a bit like, I remember his first talk, I was so nervous just listening to him talk. And uh, he just basically reminded everyone, if you want to be remem- remembered here at the Carlton Football Club, you must win a premiership. So I remember that as a 17-year-old walking in going, oh my God, like the, the pressure's on. But as I started playing and uh, Jack would always come into the change rooms before the game and uh, I remember the first time he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, your day today, Kuda, and I've gone, my God, he knows my name, you know, like, <laughs> and I got excited. I felt like, mate, if he said you've got to run through that brick wall for me, I would have done it. That's how much I loved him and uh, it was just a wonderful lead and created that family environment that I often talk about because I think footy is one of the hardest games in the world and training was hard back then, you know, you train two, two and a half, sometimes even three hours so if you don't look forward to coming to the club or training, it's going to be very di- difficult to get the best out of yourself. But Jack 
provided that great family environment. And uh, I spent many moments with Jack. I thought he was one of the most hilarious guys that I've ever met. <laughs> and uh, I felt like he was probably one of the guys that always dreamt of playing for the Carlton Football Club but was never good enough by, by <laughs> being president. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eddie, yeah, well, there you go. He, you know, by being president, he probably felt like he was part of the, you yeah. know, the boys. And he, and he was I, mean, I was sure part. one day Ed was going to draft himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, as, as, as a late-round rookie, I was positive one day he was going to... Edward Maguire out of problem. And I was like, fuck. There you go, he's rolled out of the train. I was sure he was going to do it one day, but, but he never did. He was a good man, though, Swanee. I remember the first time I uh, actually officially met him with Ange. I don't know if you were there, Ralph. He was, um, it was a nightclub in um, South Yarra, but he was there and he recognised, you know, Ange and I. And yeah. he, oh, he got us in and um, <laughs> of course he did. gave us a drink card. Never re- re- forgot about that, too. You remember that day, Kira and Ange <laughs> gave us a drink like card? Oh, yeah, yeah mate. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I thought, mate. This guy's a, a, a champion. Oh, I felt, always felt like he was that new generation of the John Elliott because when yeah. Collingwood were in serious trouble, that's what Eddie created. So envious from afar, but an, an admirer, too of what Eddie was able to do, Swanee, because what you don't realise is that when you have a good president who's strong and has a character and presence, it reflects down. Like, you know, you get down to that next level, all of a sudden you feel like, how good is it to play for this football club? But when you lose that presence, which I, you know, we did at the football club in that last five years, it was a completely different club. Decades of this incredible culture disappeared overnight because the environment wasn't what it should have been. What do you think should be a good president? (coughs) Big question. Well, um, <laughs> one that gets paid, <laughs> uh, but they don't. They yeah, do well, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's why I think that's why I'd never do it. Uh, um, <laughs> no, nah, well, basically what what Kuda just said. I think you have to be, especially at an AFL club about local footy clubs. But you have to be have a very strong presence. You have to be powerful. I think you have to um, command respect because if they don't, if you don't lead in a certain type of way, it's like, oh, well, fuck, he's just. A, a nobody or nothing. I don't respect him. I'm just not going to follow his like his um his guidance. Um, he obviously has to have a lot of power pull in the community because um and he has to be influential and respected because when you go to those big board meetings or you go to the AFL, if you don't have any pull or power, they're just going to give you nothing. Especially at a big football club, um, you know because. <coughs> Let's be honest, the Collingwood, Carlton's, Essendon, Richmond's, they're the biggest football clubs in the land. And when they're, and I'm, I don't know this, but I'm sure if you ask the AFL who they'd want in the top four every year, if it was Collingwood, Carlton, Richmond, Essendon, well, I was actually expecting to be cousin on the way here. Like, imagine if those four sides were in the prelims every year. Like, Melbourne would go berserk. Like, it's just, and that's what we want to see. We want to see the biggest, the best, as much as, the cl- as, much as it is an equal comp. And we all, you know, with the draft, you're meant to win the premiership every 18 years because that's the you know how the draft's meant to work. But and when the big clubs are playing well, that's that's why for footy is so much better, and um, you need a very very strong leaders to lead those football clubs. So Dane often says that Ed would take the heat if if needed. Yeah, but do not bullshit to him yeah. <laughs> behind the scenes. What was it? What was Jack like in that respect? Took everything. Yeah, yeah. it was unbelievable. He protected us like we were his kids, and that's what I found such a difference to the other president that came after him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's why he was such a great character. I mean, like even supporters, go and talk to the supporters. He would go down there, he loved his cigarettes, right? I wasn't a fan <laughs> of that. But he'd go there and often supporters would say, mate, I had, I had a cigarette with John Elliott. And that meant a lot to them <laughs> yeah. because he was such like, he was the iconic, you know, president of the Carlton Football Club, fought the AFL to protect the club and just did everything. And uh, so, yeah, he was a great man. And, you know, I invited him to my wedding 
back in the day, and uh, everyone loved the fact that he was there. He was a character like Eddie. I mean, people draw to John Elliott, yeah. and they just want to be around him. Can tell a story. Like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, when he would grab the three best players after a game at, you know, Princess Park and uh, bring us up to the social club, you know, we start singing that. Uh, bring, us up. Da, da, da. <laughs> bring us up. Bring us up. Yeah. Pick that up. Yeah. Us up yeah. Um, yeah, and everyone's singing. You see, like, you know, all the fans there, and he just he just brought everyone together, Jack. Yeah. Actually, you want to be, because I used to be a reporter in the rooms for Triple M when, when it started, and Jack... Didn't mind getting up and giving a little speech after yeah, a win. Yeah. Not so much after a loss, but... <laughs> he never came in the rooms after a loss. That was that it, was I was going to ask you, yeah. yeah. Never came in, so that was the thing. So you win, he'll be there. <laughs> if not... I thought that was good, though. Yeah. People may not disagree, uh, dis, you know, agree with it, but I, I thought it was really good of him to show, you know. I mean, he demanded success, and he was not happy unless we made finals and, of course, you know, winning premierships, and... That's what he stood by, and that's what we stood by as a club too, and we understood. When you walk in, these are the standards. You have to come up to these standards. If you're not good enough, you're out the door. Uh. So they built a great culture. And when you think of the 80s too, some of the characters they had, they had a lot of fun, <laughs> but, mate, they had a lot of success too at the same time. Uh, Ed was there. Ed was there in a loss. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Let me uh, tell you. Oh, oh yeah. Fuck it out. He felt the loss. Yeah, Ed was there in a loss, walking out the car, teaching – Chris Dawes had to kick goals, just run through it, and just like, you know, just <laughs> through, through it. But um, that's why we loved that. He was, like I've said a million times, Ed was probably Collingwood's most passionate ever supporter. He yeah. just happened to be the president. Yeah. And sometimes his passion maybe got in the way of his presidency, but yeah, I don't think he'd want it any other way because it meant he fucking cared more than anyone. He cared more than anyone else. It wasn't just a numbers game to him. It wasn't just a, a you know... Profit and loss balance share wasn't just all right. This wasn't just the money man. It was I fucking care about this football club more than anyone. And you know I don't, I don't know about you, but I've you know I've said it before as well. Players, we might play for the club, we might love the club, but we weren't born barracking for you back for Collingwood, so you back for the Arch Enemy. I backed for Hawthorne as a kid, so we didn't bleed our football clubs until we got drafted, and then you play there and you know play fifteen years, then you might love it, but some might play four years, win a premiership, and then go. Ah, they sacked me, I don't really care about it. But the people who were born black and white or what navy blue, I guess, from the day died till day sixty, they care more about their footy clubs than I would argue some some players. So to have Ed, you know, and Jack a president from day dive supporting their clubs, they just sometimes their passion got in the way of their actual presidency. But Oh, unless he was yelling at me, I thought it was a it was a good thing because the man he cared and he'd do anything to help build the success of that side. It's funny you say that. You, you just use the phrase "care more than others." There was I found this podcast, Mike Lombardi. I think I've mentioned him a couple of times. Mm. He's you listen to some podcasts. I, I do. Do you do anything else? But nothing. I, I, you know what? I often wonder where you get the time. Yeah, nothing. But um, <laughs> but he did a thing on leadership. He was a right hand man to Bill Belichick. In his day, and he, now he's got a podcast called GM Shuffle, and they did this special on leadership. And one of the phrases he used was "care more than others." And I actually said that to Ed because yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of Ed. He cared more than anyone else in the room, whether my experience at the footy show or yours at Collingwood, which is a good starting point. And about, and about little things too, you know, it wasn't yes. just the deal. You care about, <laughs> you know, why there wasn't enough, you know, for wasn't enough pies in the pie warmer for the guests. You know, just like little things like he'd go, he'd make it, no, he'd make it known in no uncertain terms that he was. Displeased with you know the littlest things, but that's why he was, and that's why he's one of the most powerful men in football and one of the most powerful men in Australia. And 
Um, that's why it's as successful as, as successful as it is today. And you need buy-in from the leaders. Obviously, you walked in the club and you, you played a couple of years in the reserves, yeah? Yeah, but, a few, yeah. But unbelievable leaders when you walked in, you know, Kernahan, Bradley, Ratton, <laughs> Williams, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah. Et I was blessed to play with someone not just, a, you know, Carlton greats, but AFL greats. Yeah. So awesome. they're the guys that I learned, yeah, learned from, guys that I still admire now. And I always pinch myself how lucky I was to have walked in that football club when I did to experience the first 11 or 12 years of my career, just a great experience. And uh, the leaders were the ones that taught me. I, I came in not a lot of confidence, and, uh, you know, you get belted out there when you're a skinny young kid. Um, but in time, you know, going against the, the leaders is what made me the player that I am. So Sticks was one of the greatest, well, if not the greatest leader at the Carlton Football Club ever. But I always think he had a lot of lieutenants around him, you know. There might have been 14 or 16 other players. And so when we got out there, guys like Tom Alvin... Mm. Mate, it didn't care. It was your first year. It was like if you weren't good enough, they would tell you. And so you go, oh, I have to get better. And that's what it was like at the football club. Everyone was fighting for a position, you know, and and that's what we did. And the first year I got there, Fraser Brown punching on Jamie Dunlop. I'm thinking, <laughs> aren't you guys teammates? You know, but you learn that, uh, you know, when you're out there, man, it's it doesn't matter if you're teammates. You know, you, you're vying for position. You're going for it. We're very competitive. And, you know, it was quite scary. There's some big boys out there. But in time, as you get used to it, yeah, I'm forever grateful because I, yeah, playing. I played 50 reserve games for the Carlton Football Club, so it wasn't like it was instantly I was in the senior team. And Swanee, I'm not sure whether he probably just went in and started playing. No, 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 as no. Well. So it's a great story too. But yeah. you know, '91 I didn't get a game. In '92 I played six games. '93 I played eight games. I missed out on the grand final. I was emergency. And 1994 I remember getting dropped halfway through the year, and I thought it was the end of my career. That's how you know difficult my career was. And then. Two weeks later, they picked me on the wing and I never looked back from that moment started to get in the best plays every week. So whatever it, it was, but it was very tough uh, early on for me uh, mentally. So Swanee, did you struggle too early on? But that was probably his attitude more than anything <laughs> else. So I've heard his story just coming in, mate, getting blind all week yeah, and you know, yeah. all that. So that probably didn't help. No, no, uh, fair to say that probably was a bit of a hindrance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's no, good to admit that, mate. Zero, my first, three, my third... And then 13 and my third. Zero my first, three my second, 13 and my third. Then, then it started. Basically. A little bit like me then. Yeah. yeah. I play, I think I played, I would have got 50 games in the, well, Williamstown back then. I would have played 50 games, but I played too many games in the thirds, in the reserves, reserves. Oh, I'd like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I, play, I played. I played under 19s too. Yeah. yeah I no, this <laughs> went under 19. These were the actual, this, is the this was Williamstown's reserves. Reserve, reserve, yeah. So I was playing, yeah. So. Um, that was like. Almost down the nineties. Anyway, yeah, yeah. This was like just having a kick at the halftime heroes. That's what that was. That's the kind of competition I was there. So, and I started on the bench in the first game, so I was late. Oh god! Okay. So there you go. So his attitude more than anything. Well, no, I didn't realise how far Geelong. I had to play again Geelong. Oh, I'd never been. I don't even know where Geelong was. And we, oh, we didn't play at Skilled Stadium or whatever it was called. We played on the Oval next to it. Like just oh, so is it, oh, yeah, the one in front. The, just, or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. We pl- that's where I that's played. The local, like, that's where like I. That's where I started. So and I was late. I was, as they were starting the meeting, I walked in as they shut the door for the meeting, and I walked in and he ace fucking moved me name and put it on the bench. So I was I, I started well. Kudo. Were, were you around with the maps like apps? No, you, nah, no. no this so is you were like Mel Wayne. Yeah, yeah. I can understand why <laughs> you're late. Get me to Geelong, man. Yeah. Just you know, see, like, turn the map. Here, National there. Lampoons was like Chevy right. Chase. Something like yeah. 
I tried um, to do it with European parents, mate. The Malways, mate. <laughs> my old man was trying to take me to the football when I first started. He had no idea where they. I mean, they were literally fifteen or twenty minutes away. We had to allow for an hour. My brother. We're there trying to teach me. Anyway, my father taught me a lot of Greek swearing words at that time. You've got to be frustrated. Man, my mum got lost driving us to school and she didn't know how to get, so she had to drive all the way home and come back again. <laughs> to go to school? Yeah. How far was it? From West Meadows to Essendon. So yeah, so it was a fair. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't just up the road. Kind no, of. yeah, but like, got lost, so, but couldn't just pivot. Had to go all the way back home and come <laughs> go go again, so... So you weren't, you weren't the days of just walking to school. Like no, 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 no. You got driven. So Dane reckons ten thousand people were watching him in the reserves. Reserves, given how many people <laughs> eventually said, "I saw you then, and I knew you'd make it." Oh, yeah, so yeah, how yeah, many yeah, people were watching you in the reserves? Yeah, yeah, no, many. I got, I did that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But back in those days, they would have been going, "This bloke's a hack." You know? yeah. There's no way he's going to play. Senior no, that's football. exactly what I thought. But times yeah. have changed. Like so many, so many people come and go, "Man, I knew." I knew yeah, when yeah. I watched this, yeah. bullshit. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Way, man. You would have no been. No worries, I didn't what, have a kick. Exactly. Yeah. Why the fuck did we draft him? He's no one will cross the line through him. Yeah. He's no good. Uh, Sam, <laughs> did you take a bit of a step before when Sakuda said, you know, I was a skinny little kid back then? I can't pick Sakuda as no. a skinny little kid. I'm skinny now, though. He's skinny now. <laughs> yeah. so I was going to say, Jesus. <laughs> no, yeah, really, and how tall are you? Six four? Oh, Just on 6'3. I might, yeah. may have shrunk a little bit. 191, <laughs> maybe just. Yeah. I'll claim it. But, uh, so 12 years he's got on you, Dane. Will you take that when you're 50? Oh yeah, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> um, there's not You're a chance in, in the world. Hanging in. But I was here. I did athletics as a young kid and footy. I played both. But yeah, uh, yeah I was an extremely skinny, you know, kid. So when I got to the club, I had to do a little bit of work to put on weight. But as soon as I touched the weights, I think one preseason. I don't know if I put on seven or eight or nine kilos. It was just you know, it was just a matter of two or three months. So the boys were just like, <laughs> "What's happened?" You know, the, the uh, questions started watch. coming out. Is it all natural? I said, <laughs> oh, "I'll never touch anything that's not." So, uh, yeah, and that's how it works. You know, I had a, I guess, that body that just responded to weights. Not anymore, mate. It's it's, it's all broken. But anyway, you do, do you do weights? No, do I've, I, if I do, very like, is I need a, I need a shoulder replacement basically. So Jeez. I can't. I literally can't. Yeah, move it too much. So mm. I don't. I, I do very light. Just trying to. N- not many exercises I can do that don't hurt it. So, and we still do leg weights. Is that shots. career collateral? Ca- career, yeah. yeah I, they, they say it is. I mean, obviously, we, you know. But I never really had anything seriously uh, wrong with my shoulder. But just over time, mm. their arthritis is just uh, <laughs> making it worse <laughs> to move. But you get it done, or just can't be bothered. I don't, a bit of yeah. I don't. Uh, not that I can't. I don't want to get it yeah, done. Yeah. I, I'd rather just. Try to hang out as long as I can, but it's getting very difficult. To, to <laughs> sometimes I have to grab the other hand and just raise it up a little. So raise grab my phone in the, the morning, I'm like this. Yeah. Grab it. <laughs> that would affect your uh, post-playing career. Like Dane's still running around at the moment. How long did you? Well, Kurt um, was there in the yeah, Don Valley. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was there yeah, a few years ago until probably just before COVID. I think 2019. I was still That's playing the over 35s. Yeah, it's getting a little bit harder though. But yeah, I was still <laughs> just playing. Yeah. And how, but it was how enjoyable was that for mm. you just to have that outlet running, out, running around with yeah. the locals? Yeah, I was playing with Ange too. I remember one game he just kicked, he was at full back and kicked to the opposition <laughs> <laughs> and then went straight over his head for a goal. So fun times they were. <laughs> <laughs> it was good to just be able, you know, it's a Sunday afternoon and hanging out with your mates and going for a kick. You see some ex footballers and that as well. And it was a good club, Don Valley. And Swanee was there, yeah. Fev played. Yeah, Aaron Edwards. Aaron Edwards. Um, yeah, there's a couple down there. Yeah. I had Scott O back, you know, Day Ange and Dean Rice and McKernan. Johnson. Our coach and Benny Johnson, he's a great yeah. man too. So, a list of ex AFL players was a bit of fun playing. Dad's army, <laughs> I, only because you mentioned him. So, we'll jump forward. 
Is it more fun talking about how loose Fev was than actually playing with him when he was that loose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he was loose, but mate, he could play. My God, Fuck on his days, we all know. Like, mate, you get that ball in the boundary line. Only Fev could do it, and I, I don't think his career started too well in terms of goal kicking. I mean, he was a bit, you know, here, there, and everywhere. But mate, once he got it, it was it was game over. Phenomenal play, and everyone came to watch him. You know, that yeah. included my mum. Really, at the end, <laughs> it was it was him and Eddie Betts were our two like star mm. players that would get people through the gates to see how they performed. Uh, so back to the, the uh, early part and getting into a premiership side. Was it just one of those things that everything worked? Because uh, I'm not self inserting, but I happen to see I, I was my first year in the media, so I reckon I saw. You guys play 16 games in 2000, uh, sorry, 1995. That's as good a side as anyone has ever had produced. Yeah. Everything worked, didn't it? It really did. I mean, 94, so 93 get the grand final, they lose. And uh, 94, we were on top of the ladder with one round to go, and then we lost to Essendon in the last round. And so we finished second. And uh, I think West Coast might have been on top, but we thrashed them in round 20 by about 10 goals or 11 goals. And uh, come the week one of the finals back then, Swanee was uh, first play eighth, second play seventh. It was like that. So Melbourne was seventh. We played them. We lost to Melbourne. David it was a little Schwartz bit of an upset. Played Swat, well the, game the Ox was, was unbelievable. <laughs> what a gun he was, man. He was, a, he knee, was yeah. an absolute gun, if people don't remember, before his yeah, injury of his knees. And, uh, yeah, then we had Geelong the next week. They had four of their top ten players out. We thinking, oh, this is going to be unreal. We lost by 11 goals. So straight sets in 1994. The start of 95, everyone in the media, and probably including you, Ralph, was your first year, was bad. <laughs> and uh, they said they were too old and too slow, and so we wouldn't oh. win. And I don't know if we had a great pre-season, but the, the guy, Anthony Stewart, who's a sports psychologist, I went to see him after I got dropped in 1994. The club said, maybe you need to go and see a sports psychologist. That would have been pretty foreign back then. Cause it really was. was say, there wouldn't have been it too many people doing yeah. sports. Now it's all seen vogue, but you would have been one of the very few to have done that I reckon because oh, I struggled for three and a half years and they sat me down I was like mate well, if you feel like I need I'll, I'll go and listen to this guy and he said Cooter write down these words I can or will you just watch me and you have to write in your diary every single day and highlight I never had a diary before and I did it sorry to so, tell you Dane's just ended the workforce after a five year gap <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, have you embraced the diary yet Dane I've got a calendar. He's, got a, he's <laughs> better than me on the phone. Yeah, he's checking his, exactly. like, his little uh, promos. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. pretty good. I've still got the old-fashioned diary. <laughs> I can't use the phone for that. I need right. to. And <laughs> even today, Ralphie, I, this morning, I'm like, oh, no, am I going in today? But on your thing, you had the 23rd. So today's oh, the 24th. Right. And I'm thinking maybe he's talking right. March. I looked at March. It was 24th <laughs> okay, as well. Yeah, I'm like, these guys so that's why I text yeah. you. So, so, yeah, so we've got Anthony Stewart. So, so what did you have to write down? Yeah. I can or will you just watch me? Yeah, okay. You should probably do yeah. that for getting no, out of bed yeah. in the morning to go to work. It's one of you don't need it. Never, yeah. never needed it before. But um, <laughs> his name was Anthony Stewart, so the club employed him the next year. And he basically said to Parker, you've got quite a bit of leadership here and why don't you hand over some of the things to them? And we did. We sat down, devised a game plan that was very similar to Parker's. But I don't know, everything clicked together. And we won the first seven and lost the next two to the two bottom teams. And it was like crisis at the club, yeah. So... This is Math Science Day, what we always talk about. So Math Science is our, sport, our footy betting podcast, right? Yeah. And gambling degenerates, basically. But there's always opportunity. Now, so Carlton lose two games for the year to the two bottom sides. So there's always, you've got to look for value, don't, don't mm-hmm. you? Absolutely. And that, yeah. So that proves that in footy, it's week-to-week mental as much as anything. Because oh, you is. couldn't have lost to those two sides on yeah. ability. Yeah, and one of the days was wet and rainy, and they thrashed us. We got thrashed by Sydney up there as well. And so... Uh, it was like a crisis meeting at the club. We all got together, and that was it. After that, when we uh, we were unbe- oh, yeah, unstoppable, unbeatable, and Did it was the game again. No, we never know. So all the way through, so we won the last sixteen, including finals. Yeah. 
But Brisbane were the big one in the first week. Do you remember that, Ralph? In yeah. 1995. And uh, they had had a phenomenal second half of the season. And so they came in with great form. And we had just beaten them maybe three or four weeks previously uh, just at Princess Park. But at three-quarter time, the game was in the balance. And yeah. Chris Scott was tagging me all day. I couldn't get a kick. <laughs> So Parker said you're going up the full forward. And I think Sticks kicked the first one. Then I kicked the next three. So I blew it out to maybe 29 points. And we only won by 13 at the end. So that was the one we had to get over because of the 1994 when we went out in straight sets. If we lost that, we would have been thinking mm. it might, might happen again. Mm. And then we got North Melbourne who hard and tough in the prelim finals. A wet and dewy night. And I, uh, yeah, we, we thrashed them by 11 goals or whatever it was. They just went hard at us, but we just stood. And then Geelong came. And halfway through... The grand final, 1995, you know, I'm looking around, we're up by 80-odd points, and I'm like, oh, my goodness me, well, I'm about to be a premiership player. So the greatest day of my life it was, and I always say that, and I think 95 was probably the greatest year of my life, and to go on and win the premiership. And, uh, yeah, like, we celebrated for many weeks. So I did a swanny, I reckon, for five <laughs> weeks only. I went from 95 kilos to 103. So you'd be proud of me, swanny. See, he's got that's a big why you smile. the next year. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think yeah, we probably overdrank and whatever we did, but uh, it was worth it. So I always think of all the blood, sweat and tears and the heartache and pain that I went through, that moment there, like, you know, you, you love your kids and, you know, that moment's so mm. special you can never take it away. But... In terms of being a young kid and dreaming of playing AFL and watching grand finals was always a favourite day on the calendar for me that last Saturday of September and there I was to go out and win it, which I think was the greatest era of football too, the 1990s and the privilege to play them with some absolute superstars. So I'll never forget uh, yeah, that time. Is that where we got the sticks? Clip? No, that was no, 87. Oh, okay, Poor Sticks. Yeah. He reckons everyone else sang that though, and he just got <laughs> and they got him, and now he's just poor Blake everywhere he goes. Hey, man. Well, that, 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 so that's post celebration <laughs> film, but of course back then it was only proper cameras, not camera phones. You, I, I reckon yeah. you're happy that you didn't oh. didn't live through the camera phone oh, era. Thank God for that. <laughs> I mean, we got up to mischief, but like good friendly yeah. stuff. But mate, you wouldn't be able to do it nowadays. So we'd probably walk out of our career and people would look at us and think, "Oh, have a look at him like he used to do." But we had fun, and that's what I always think. I remember retiring and the new facilities at the Carlton Football Club got ready, and they're like, "Oh, could you look what you missed out?" And I go, "No, no, 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 it's not that, mate." Yeah. I played at the best time in the best area. We could drink and have fun. You're getting home 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning, blind, drunk, no one says anything, you know. And you turn up the train the next day a little bit dizzy and, you know, a bit drunk and whatever. But you get through. And we played hard and we, and yeah, we, you know, like we had fun too at the same time. Do you think, think footy's miss, missing, lost a little bit of its fun now? Oh, that's it's gone. That's way out of the yeah. game. Way yeah. out, Swanee, man. I, I don't know. But I, I don't know how I would have gotten through if we were so strict like it is now because mm. I found it tough enough before. But I always look forward to... <coughs> After the game Saturday night, you know, going out clubbing with your mates and just drinking. Look at my dad lives. Just That's absolutely. And like the, like the people, they go on camps now and value camps and all, you know, they sit down for... I wonder what they get out yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, now we, I'm, you're a bit older school than me, but I'm honest, well, the best way to bring a group together is to get on a piss. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's unquestionably the best way. And some might make dickheads of themselves or whatever, but then you wake up the next morning, you go in and you fuck remember you, you were here last night doing that and it brings a club so much closer together. Now, can 45 blokes do it now with camera phones without getting into trouble? Well, Colin would have a hard time doing it, <laughs> but um, but most clubs do it. But if you just lock the boys away and have a, a beer for a couple of days, like, it's the best way of bringing a group close together. And like Kuda, they, play, they played our party out us in 2010 and we played hard. And fucking played hard off the field, and I think 
you know, there's a little bit of synergy between the boys who actually enjoy themselves off field and on the field are most likely the, the successful clubs. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, you, you, your two years, 99-2000, was, and including Dusty Martin, as good a two years as anyone could play for. Not one. Just... <laughs> So it was a two. <laughs> uh, when, when did you do your knee? When did you do two thousand? Yeah. At the end of two thousand, badly, or was it at the end of two thousand one? Oh, two thousand one. Say three years. Yeah, yeah. Why did it all? No, but why did it all click for you? Because you always had, you know, you're a premiership player. You're considered one of the guns of the cl- of the comp, but you took it to a new level in those yeah. that that period of time. It all started in ninety eight, uh, Ralphie. At the end of ninety seven, my father got diagnosed with cancer, and then three three months later, in nineteen ninety eight, he was gone, and so I, I really wasn't ready for it. I was still living at home and I found like he was my best friend and uh, I always thought he'd be around forever. But, you know, when he got diagnosed, I started to worry and all I wanted was to have him around and I <coughs> I guess I couldn't uh, face up to the facts that he wasn't going to be. And so, I I don't know, we fully, I found it hard. I was obviously down in the dumps and I, I couldn't train and every time I was training, I was just thinking the old man, I just wanted to get home to see him, see how he was travelling and, uh, you know, I was training in March and they said, Kuda, it was 6th of March and you better go... And see your father. So I knew that the day was was coming, and uh, you know I went to see him, seen his last breath, and it was really hard for me to accept the fact that he wasn't there. So as a good European boy, I had to drive mum and dad to every single you know AFL game while my teammates were turning up with their team uh, teammates or girlfriends. I was turning up <laughs> mum and dad, so it was a little bit embarrassing. And I warned him. I said, mate, as I start getting a bit more popular, you may have to go yourselves. You know, but, uh, my mum wasn't going to accept that. So. All of a sudden, 98, I'm driving just with mum and, you know, and it was difficult not to have him there in the car. So I was out drinking a lot and uh, sometimes 14 hours straight, two nights in a row. And I just, you know, footy wasn't a priority for me. So my form, I, I went from best on ground round one to the worst on ground, probably round eight or nine or something like that against Frio, uh, Fremantle in Frio, uh, in WA, in Perth. And um, I remember when I got back from there, Barry Mitchell and Wayne, Wayne Britton, my two greatest mentors at that football club, they taught me so much about football, more than anyone else by far, uh, sat me down and said, could we know what's happened to you, but uh, the way you're going, you won't be around. You know, you're not fit enough. And so I went home a bit emotional that night, but I'd, I thought of my father. I looked upstairs and, and I'm looking and I'm thinking, what an idiot I am. I'm thinking of my father. He's looking down at me, looking at me, just getting drunk. And I thought, you know what? You want to see the best... You know, he wanted to see me play the best footy I possibly could rather than just getting drunk. And I promised him that night that I would train harder than I ever did before. And because I did that, I didn't want to let him down. So I went out there and trained harder than I ever did before. And by the end of 1998, I had some really good form. It's an halfback. I was just beating everyone. And that led into 99. 99, 2000, 2001. So 99, I'd start a lot of the games at you know, centre-half-back and occasionally they'd throw me in the midfield and bang, I'd start getting all this ball. But they still needed me at centre-half-back. Then year 2000 came... 
And that was, remember, 99 prelim final? I was in defence, back <coughs> yeah. pocket and whatever. And then the last quarter of the Boncuda, we, we need you in the middle. And I was like, oh, finally. You know, all right, I'll go in there now. <laughs> and then U2000 was like that. There would be games where I'd start a centre-half back and then maybe halfway through the second quarter or whatever, they like could in the midfield. And then bang, it, w- it was all on. And uh, I remember it was Sydney when I had 39 that day. I started at uh, a centre-half back and I finished with 39, 14 marks, you know, two goals and stuff. So... The form was, you know, great. And then they started to leave me in the midfield. And, and that's what happened. Because I, I I, always thought, you know, you think you train hard, but there's always that little bit more that I just push myself 2 or 3% more at training and that got my fitness up to another level, which w- was then I was able to just go out there and play the best footy that I possibly could. Unfortunately, injuries then started to <laughs> at the same time because, you know, year 2000 when I was favoured for the Brownlow, got you know, injured in the first round, uh, first uh, quarter, of the uh, round 20 game against Essendon, we had over 90,000 people there that day. It was They were on top, we were second. They were unbeaten at that stage. And then he had 2001, second week of the final against Richmond in the third quarter, went to kick the ball off the ground. Matty Knights came across. I felt my knee snap and that was it. I did my ACL and so the injuries came. And then I came back in year 2000 for three games because the club was struggling. My third game, I played with a big brace. I could hardly <laughs> run. <laughs> and, I slipped, yeah, and I slipped over and... Uh, and uh, my opposition uh, player landed on my knees, so I snapped my medial. So it was like three years of just injury after injury at the peak of my powers. Uh, weird things that you remember, but Dane said when he won the Brownlow before Andor, I think, were you favourite another couple of times when Bruce McAvoy yeah, comes to you? I was favourite in 10. Did, did Bruce come and do the big interview with you? No. No, they must have known I didn't. Yeah, or something. that could be a bit of a sign then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like, and Shaven won Woden one a day. Yeah, that's right. Great yeah. year too. Uh, well, I don't know if he had a speech ready, but I didn't have a speech ready. Did you get told not Swanny? No, no, I didn't. Oh, are you smiling? I'm a bit <laughs> sus on this. Did you or not, Swanny? <laughs> no, I swear, no, no. I Did you get a bit of a gut feel or not? Like, do they act a little bit no. different here? No, I was. No, I was a dollar. I was a dollar fifty. 2010, so Gamble I responsibly. I walked. <laughs> I walked in thinking I was winning. It. Uh, you know, and you, you, see, you know, get interviewed. No, I just here to have a good night, and you know, <laughs> don't care. And, uh, and if you, if you, and that's all bullshit. And it, but it's, I understand the players. If you can't come out and say, "Well, I fully expect to win," and I've had a great year, and like I'll be fucking extremely annoyed Bucks, if I don't. Bucks did in year 2000. Yeah. He sort of mapped out his votes. He had himself yeah. at number one. Well, he, he's got a third of a Brownlow, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> Oh, I said there you go. I wouldn't mind a third. I'll take a quarter actually <laughs> right got, now. He's got a third, but um, yeah, it doesn't. Well, well, I've, you know, we've got thirds. I don't know why the Brownlow's super important. You've won, you won the players. You won the MVP. Yeah, the MVP yeah. Well, I think you won it how many times? No, nah, only MVP once. Um, it's a bit stiff. Another uh, <laughs> time. Oh, well, I only won it once. 2010 was was the year I thought I was going to win everything. In 11, I was 15 bucks to win the Brownlow, so I didn't. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, so um, I may be money up, but listen, <laughs> can't investigate me now. But um, it's far that's gone. good, mate. You're confident. Yeah, well, um, I think Maxwell elbowed me with. It. I remember about round two. He goes, "Mate, you're home," because it wasn't. They say it's not votes that you expect to get; it's the votes you yeah, don't yes, expect yes, to get, yes. which helped me win it. And I polled a vote. I polled two votes. I think in the game against the Bulldogs, man, I had. 20, I don't even think I got a vote in the BNF. Like, I, you know, had like yeah. 20 and kicked a goal. And boy tagged me. I think he had more than me. And like, there was about eight, seven or eight blokes who had more possessions than me on the ground. And I got two votes that night. And Maxie went, I never got those votes. Fuck you, home. <laughs> yeah. I think it takes a year. And I think yeah. we all know it takes a year or two for the umpires to see you. But looking back now, what's happened with the 
with the betting scandals, you might have got robbed. Well, <laughs> the actual <laughs> cheating. We'll go with that. Like, oh, yeah. Now, you know, well, you know how the umpires are, of course, are now I did cheating? Get robbed, yeah. yeah, exactly. 100% so I got robbed that run year. Run with that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, that's what I believe in 2010 now, 2000. Can we investigate on that? Oh, it's funny. We should go back. Seriously, year 2000, we'll go through all the exactly, stats. And exactly. I did investigate. I did ask the AFL to investigate 2010. There was, <laughs> a, there was a robbery. So I'll tag 2000 on for yeah, you too. Who won 210? Uh, Judd. Ah, he's not a bad player. I was going to say. He's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he gets a kick here and there. Uh, yeah, so, so Swanee says early doors, Mick was very hard on him. Yeah. You had a similar type of coach in David Parkin, yeah. an old school hard bastard. But also, uh, you, you said one of the, the senior players said to you, he's only going to be hard on people he rates, yeah? Yeah, basically, I was getting killed in meetings. But now I'm sure, I don't know what, what Parker was like, but I'm not sure he could, Mick couldn't coach in today's era how soft <laughs> the players are and like how woke the world is. You know, you're not allowed to yell at them and like you're not allowed to, you know, call them cunts or you know, you're, not allowed to sw- you're not allowed to swear at them because they get their feelings hurt because all these kids get told from the age of naught that they're all perfect, never do anything wrong. But so I was getting hammered in meetings, like find some vision of Dane, mate. You're killing your teammates. I don't know why anyone wants to play with you. Fucking look at this, blah, blah, blah. And, and half of it was right. You've got a bit over the top, <laughs> and you'd get a bit depressed, or I probably probably can't use the word depressed now with mental health. You feel like, shit. Yeah, you'd be a bit like, fuck. What's going on? And like, you know, you've seen all these old blokes who would have come in and played a couple of games. They're not getting yelled at, but yeah. you know they're no good. Yeah. I'm like, mate, they're fucking. They're going shit out. Why? Why? At least I'm having like. 15, 20 touches. At least I'm going half okay offensively. And you walk out and you're like, well, fuck him. What does what he know? And then, you know, the senior boys are like, mate, so you know why then he's not yelling at him, him and him? Because they won't be here next year. He doesn't care about them. Like you, he can actually see some potential, actually knows that you can be a player. So that's why he's harder because he cares about you. And that was sort of the trigger in my brain to go, all right, well, it's all okay. So he cares. So I'm going to prove to him that, I can actually do what he's telling me I'm not doing. You know what? It's a mindset thing too. It may not have been true, Swanee, but you know yeah. what? It worked, <laughs> yeah, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. So what was Parker? Parker was yeah, no, he was hard. I never got along with Parker <laughs> <laughs> early on. I know we definitely didn't see eye to eye. And uh, I don't know if you really realised how to play me as well. Like you get yeah. those coaches that maybe understand you, maybe some others that don't. I mean, I played in every position, so I, I, I don't know. There was games in the reserves where I felt like, okay, maybe this week I'll be playing seniors. And it wasn't to be. But I'll never forget one of the games you talk about, you know, now, but you know, depressed in those moments. So it was against North Melbourne. I started on the bench and Andrew McKay came off with the blood rule. And they've gone Cootie Ron. So I went on and literally a minute later, the runner came to me and said, hey, Kuda, Parker wants to know if you want to play today. And I literally, <laughs> yeah, I literally ran out there. And uh, I, I, at that moment, then I felt like digging a hole and burying myself. Yeah. Like internally, I was crying. And you know? I'm yeah. like, but what does he want me to do? I, I basically just ran. I looked a bit, you know, laconic, like I always did as an athlete. And then a minute later, I was on the bench. So they've gone yeah, on the bench, and I never played for the rest of that game. So that's a sort of the emotion, Swanee, that I talk, you know, when I went through early on in my career. I never responded well in that sort of way. I was sort of the guy that put your arm around me and I believe in you, and then I'll do whatever it was is. Was that, that Wayne Britton's relationship with you? Yeah, Britt's seen something. I mean, so did Barry Mitchell. And yeah. they, they're like, uh, Parker, you know, you've got this guy that can do this and that and whatever Good else. Good cop, bad cop, though. Yeah. 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 And they were the ones who really said, could have do this and run here and, you know, grab the ball out of the ruck. And I'm like, I can, you know, am I allowed to do that sort of stuff? I felt like I was always in a cage with Parco. Like you have all this ability, but you're stuck and you can't release it all. And so that's when my game went to another level. And then when they, you know, started like, you know, even telling me, even fitness-wise, let's go for a run or let's do a little bit extra. And all those little bits help. So forever indebted into Wayne Britton and Barry Mitchell, they, they were just... 
unbelievable to me. I'd sit there and watch the game and, uh, you know, tell you how to play and I just responded so well. So you would have seen Tom Mitchell obviously grow up as to yeah, be the, li- the star yeah. that he has. What, what, have you, what did you see with him growing up? Unbelievable. Like, just a young kid he used to wear the number 43 at Carlton and uh, Tommy was a good kid and, of course, they went to Perth and I didn't realise how good this this guy was. So Mitch would tell me, oh, yeah, he got the best player and he had about 30 or 40 possessions. I'm thinking, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I didn't realise it was state-level footy and just phenomenal. I was just so proud to see how far he's got because, you know, seeing him, knowing his dad and mum for so long who were lovely people, to see him go on and win a brown. Like that was – I was just – I was just so happy for him. I, I couldn't never imagine him as a young kid, you know, <laughs> being one day a Brownlow medalist, but that just, just goes to show he loves the game of footy. Now, 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 does Dane and other people all owe you a little commission from what you did with Adidas? I, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> you explain Mate, that. He wouldn't understand what I went through <laughs> that moment then. So the, the Carlton Football Club, who was sponsored by Adidas for maybe 20-odd years, had the new marketing crew came in. And not as with, far him, as not with them now, I see. No, I mean, no, no, not now, but <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> Um, but then uh, they're, they're, I think uh, if they got any new sponsors, they'd get a certain percent. So how easy? Instead of Adidas, let's go to Nike. So they've gone, okay, Nike, you can have all the players. Bang, they've done the deal. And they've gone, okay, we're sponsored by Nike. I said, well, I've got to deal with Adidas. How does that work? They said, well, you have to leave Adidas and come with Nike. I said, well, I'm not sure. So I spoke to my manager. He's like, no way, this can't Who's happen. Who's your manager? Uh, David Allison. Yeah. He was a great guy. And, uh, yeah, so we went into battle and uh, – Almost forfeited a game, so we, we stood down yeah. and not we said, well, we're not going to play. So I, I had a four-year deal with Adidas, and Nike wanted to come along, but I wanted to stay with Adidas. You know, a good European brand, they were good to me as well, a young kid. They sponsored me. You've been the first, one of the first ones in Australian sport to stand up and have your own individual. First time ever, yeah. First one. So oh, I mean, no one yeah. ever did it before. And so because of that, I got the phone call on the game day, the morning of the, the game that night against Richmond, and uh, Parco said, Cootie, you're playing tonight. I said, this is fantastic. And so the club gave in, yeah. and then I was the only player to wear the Adidas boot the next year, and everyone else was running <laughs> out with Nike, which was a little bit awkward. But that certainly opened up the gates. After that, everyone had different footwear sponsorships, yeah. and money was thrown everywhere for certain players to wear it. And so I, I had to go fight for it. I should have got a commission from yeah. The Cooter commission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, and Anthony. I, Adidas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What was, your, what was your situation? I might have a few. I slotted yeah. myself for a few boosts. Is that good on you, mate? Yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you. Well, Adidas, actually. I was, I was off them. I'm sure they were great for you and you're a pioneer. But so I bought Adidas the year I won the Brownlow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I win the Brownlow. But, and Pig is, fuck, I thanked Adidas in my speech. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I probably would have won it wearing fucking thongs. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but so get there and um, so I get to be manager. I said, oh, my contract was up with Adidas. I was like, beauty. Mate, here we go. It's a fucking pay rise for sure. Like, um, so pickers are up, bang. Well, oh, no, I should probably get double out. Like, f- I don't know if I ever, was ever the face of the AFL, but won the Brownlow. So I at the biggest club in Australia. Pretty big name, pretty big profile, you beauty. They um, but they come back and they halved my contract. They halved it, Jesus. <laughs> yep. So I think that's a sign. Yeah. So yeah, I was, yeah. so I was like, well, I was literally like, people, well, I'd ra- I'd rather play for free than another pair. Like they insult me <laughs> like that. Um. So yeah, they weren't big fan. And then they sent me a pair of boots. And they sent me a used boot. They sent me a pair, brand new pair of boot. Well, it was meant to be a brand new. And one had twenty six written on the back. So it was obviously like <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Nice, but I was, nice. I was, so was, I think they were trying to get rid of me, Cooter. Yeah, no, well, I think that was a sign. Yeah. I went to Deodora and they were the most comfortable boots I ever wore. Oh, yeah, um, Because they just, I could wear them straight away. I don't know about you, but with 
Adidas and Puma. I have to wear them like for 20 minutes of training and for an hour of training, then I have to wear them for training for three weeks before I can wear them in a game deed or I can wear them straight away. Now, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I could wear them straight away. You don't get a new pair them. of boots every game? Do people no, do I don't know what you do, but I would probably wear... Well, it depends if, I, if people want to buy them, I'd fucking wear a new pair every game, but I'd probably... And I could wear two pairs or three pairs a year. Yeah. Really? I was the same. I used one. I hated changing. Same. I liked to just stay and fit the foot properly. Yeah. Was that a was that a superstitious thing or, or no? More just comfort more. Thing? Yeah, more yeah. comfort. Comfort. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If yeah. I got them, like uh, boots. Same. I liked them real time. I wear my feet would be sore afterwards, but yeah. I could have didn't like wearing new ones. Except to wear them in, and yeah, I was like, I can give me old pair. Yeah, I'd wear them till the wheels fell off, basically. And, you know. Metaphorically, I guess. There's no wheels on footy boots. Uh, how, how, how important was it to have a manager who'd say, stuff it, I'm, I'm going into bat for you, like yeah, uh, I'm right. mates with pickers, but he, he obviously had to throw himself on a couple of grenades for you, Dane, over the years? Yeah, a couple. I would have liked a couple more, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, the, from my memory, David, was that, that for he was you? tough, yeah. He was tough and hard. He went yeah. into battle, yeah. So before that, my first managers were mum and dad who came to the club. <laughs> and I needed the interpreter because they had no idea what was going on. So I just signed the worst contract. It was $7,800 when I first signed yeah. in 1991. And I stayed on that contract until 1993. So, um, yeah, then I had some other guy who... You know, the club offered me a little and he got me a little bit more, but took whatever I got extra, he took out of management <laughs> player, so you're out the door. And then I found Dave Ellison, he was just an absolute ripping guy who uh, looked after quite a few of the boys. And, uh, yeah, he, he went into battle. You knew he was he was in the battle for you. And, and uh, yeah, so he was good. Uh, yeah, a couple of similarities with Dane as well, that uh, you're more of a speed than an endurance guy. Yeah, yeah. Were yeah. you like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah man. I was uh, more, more repetitive stuff. As long as, I got a, as long as I could get a break, yeah. I'd be okay for off. I couldn't run, you know, some people just run all day at the same pace that was me. I needed to be able to have a break. So run for a minute, 30 seconds, and have a break. That's what I was sort of yeah. good at. I was the same. You know, the, the tan run after, like, 1991, I ran 14.43 in the tan. And then, then at the end of that season, I, I did the weights and put on eight or nine kilos. My first hand run was 17.22. <laughs> so Parco came to me and said, that's 3.8 kilometres, terrible. And pa- I think Justin Mann almost beat me. So the, the <laughs> it would have been, been, been graceful around the oh, Princess Park, yeah. wouldn't he, Big Madden? Oh, it, was, it was Justin Mann and Sticks with his big cone head. Mill, Mill <laughs> wasn't great too. He was the fastest but didn't have great insurance. And me somewhere there in that pack, just in front maybe. So... My endurance here wasn't great, but in terms of yeah, speed and power, I lost so much athleticism when I came from athletics to football, yeah. and I was still playing footy then. But the, I, was run, I was running eight kilometres. We did fifty one hundreds in my first preseason. Like the body just <laughs> broke down, like it broke down. But if I came into the system now, where they actually look after you, I could have been a better athlete. Mm. Yeah. Uh, my high jumping ability and everything that I was able to do with athletics, I just lost so much of it in that first preseason. It was just so hard on the body. Do you ever think if you had a stack with <laughs> athletics, you could have? Nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. Nah, maybe. Look, I, I, I probably could have, Swanee. I, I, I got an offer to go to an American Division One college um, for my hurdles because I had yeah. the Australian record in the hurdles and I was a high jumper too. And I was a Australian champion until Tim Forsyth came along, but he was one of the all-time greats, in particular for Australia. And, uh, yeah, but <coughs> footy, I'm glad I chose it because... Uh, Footy. It's worked out right yeah. for you. Yeah, I mean, the athletes <laughs> in my time, Cole Vandekype, you know, all these guys, Tim Forso, you see them around and just um, unbelievable athletes, but they end the sport with nothing. And yes. so maybe could have been Olympia, maybe, you know, decathlon, maybe hurdles, but yeah. uh, definitely footy. I wouldn't be here right now. And I think yeah. of some of the things, that, you know, Lexus and Brighton, too, they give me a car. I'm thinking, mate, I'm not in the media. 
I'm just lucky, you know. I just think to myself how lucky I was because halfway yeah. through 94, you would have thought the same when the first three years of your career as I got dropped. I'm thinking I'll be lucky to get one more game, let alone what was about to, to happen. If someone said to me, middle of 1994, you're going to make you know, the, the AFL Hall of Fame, win a couple of best and first, make all Australian and all that, I would say, are you mad or what? <laughs> so luckily, because of football, I just, you know, I live the life that I that I do now. So I'm, I'm very thankful that I chose footy because I could have easily have continued on with athletics because I love loved the sport, but I wouldn't have finished with, with much at all. What about dietary? Were you uh, the stereotype of the migrant family, just eat as much as yeah. you can, or were you fastidious, or did you just take just the top off, eat. look yeah, in the mirror and say, fuck, <laughs> how do you improve on that? That was it. I just <laughs> ate everything. I was very rarely ever that I, I'd say, oh, shit, I better diet a little bit here, and, and maybe after the 95 grand final when I came back at 103 yeah. kilos. Were skin folds a thing back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. When I walked in, I had the best skin folds, but yeah. a couple of years later with all the alcohol, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> quite the same. But, uh, yeah, no, I was very lucky. Yeah, roughly. Mum was like, manja, manja, you know, entertainment <laughs> means eat, eat. So I grew up with a lot of pasta, man. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, the two cultures of the Greek and Italian culture kind of thing. And my dad was born in Egypt, so we had a little bit of the Arabic influence as well in the family. So, yeah, we just ate. I was, yeah, we, we ate like... Crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, good to be in the room with someone who can dominate a reality TV show as opposed to getting beaten in the final. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah. Uh, Swanee did well, though. And uh, I, I actually watched him on So you uh, won what? Dancing <laughs> with the Stars? Yes. Yeah, now, what odds were you there? You would have been big odds there. Yeah, I was least favourite to win. <laughs> least favourite on the morning of the show. And I, uh, somehow I went on. I, I was in the bottom two for five, at least five of the ten weeks. Could you dance Prior to nah. this, you'd ever <laughs> only at nightclubs. Yeah, you know, oh, absolutely. Mean, some of your best the party, yeah. maybe yeah, some no. horizontal dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Can you? Maybe. Do you still dance? <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. So I did the All Stars because I won in 06, 2006, and uh, I danced with some great people. Yeah, Andrew Gage. I had Chris Hemsworth, who is yeah. a very famous yeah. actor now. Tams and Lewis. So really good, uh, you know, uh, group that was. But then, did you enjoy it, or was it stressful because you had to learn? Mentally, you have to learn that. So, would you actually enjoy the? Yeah, I actually six enjoyed the. Pro- I actually enjoyed the process. Uh, Twenty years. I had Natalie, my dance partner, was great, and then I got invited to the All Stars event, and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, had the bad shoulder, the bad hip, yeah. so I had to be careful with everything that I did. So I was very limited with what I what I was able to do. But I was with a girl, Jess, who just t- took my dancing to another level because I had that background already from 06. so I knew what I was coming into. But the poor girl got me. Out of everyone who she's like, your shoulder doesn't move. I cu- couldn't pick her up. It doesn't lift over, and I couldn't swing her the way I, I did in 06. But that was another. Yeah, I had a great time there as well. They're all great experiences, aren't they? Yeah. You get on these reality shows, and people just say, "Oh, look at our has beens and whatever," but they never get the experience that we get out of it. And yeah. so I was, I, I jumped at it, and uh, yeah, I'm glad I did it. Hang on, my memory says that you and Ange did the footy show grand final. You would have had yeah. to do some dancing training for that, wouldn't you? Oh, the Blues Brothers one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we know Ange actually picked it up really quickly, so I was surprised. He's a bit uncommon, he can't, you know, whatever. <laughs> I thought I'll, I'll lead the way, but he actually picked it up quite good. But then come the show, you talk about pressure, he buckled. <laughs> so he started dancing before I started. He goes, he goes start dancing my like right and he goes like <laughs> I'm looking at him going you idiot you've started too early and then he's looking at me and then I waited for the and I'm like now you and then we're doing it and I always laughing so he's just a he's a funny guy I've done some absolutely ridiculous things with Ange in the past you know he had dumb and dumber back yeah. then we did a thing called bum and bummer and uh, mate that, that oh, mate some of the things we did you know and uh, I wish we had sausage girl we had to sing and Ange's like remember that how stupid I was 
so embarrassed. And uh, then, of course, came the Savalaki ad ad. So what is your relationship with Because from afar, it just looks like you're just best, best mates. Uh, Double style. Oh, Angie is still there. Yeah, he's still my young kid and uh, <laughs> still the same old Angie. And he's got the fish and chip place set in, uh, in Northgate, in Northgate yeah. Plaza. Yeah. And it's actually really nice. So I go there so often. Yeah, Freebies? But, yeah. Nah, Angie. <laughs> please, Swanee, man. I'm lucky to get a free potato cake. Man, I've got that many people in his restaurant for yeah. him. And then, like, if he gives me even calamari, calamari, he would say, mate, there's 24 bucks worth. He would say, like, even. I'm like, just say, here you go, Peter. Yeah. Thanks. You know what I mean? Like, just you don't have to tell me how much it's worth. Away from the fun, but we had Ben Darwin in uh, last year, who's an uh, ex-Wallaby, but he does does this thing on cohesion, and it's fascinating. And like Dane then spoke about it being with Ben Johnson or whatever out in the field. That mo- being mates on the field is actually important. Mm. Not necessarily. You don't have to be best mates, but knowing each other. What type of on-field relationship did you have, you and Cooter? Uh, uh, you Ange. and uh, Ange. I was, um, Ange would always look for me and like even now when I go back to, uh, you might watch a 95 grand final I think there was times I couldn't be bothered leading he'd be like <laughs> <laughs> he actually tell you where to run but I always rate Ange as my top three Carlton only a little bit biased because you know he looked for me and his kicking ability to be able to put it in a spot where it was impossible for the opposition to spoil he had yeah. that ability to be able to break lines so Andrew's my height. Like, you wouldn't think it because he played as a half-backman and he could just beat everyone because he was the quickest guy at the club with Milhanna and he had great endurance as well, Andrew. And so, but his kicking ability was only Greg Williams and, and himself who, you know, when the, if we went and trained in the outdoor ovals and there was wind around, they could still hit targets. And so that's how good Ange was as a kick. But... um he gave me a lot of possessions, Ange, I'll, yeah. I'll be honest. He was a great mate to have at the yeah. club at the right time. So I met him when I was 16. He was 17 in the Carlton under-19s days. And so that's where we hit it off as mates and became good mates ever since. Well, this has been great fun. So tell us about Cooter Fit because I'm looking at, at your Facebook page, which obviously people can find Cooter Fit about. Yeah. And the people who look like me just look like having fun. They pay <laughs> yeah. 10 bucks to fucking trade with a legend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have a little bit of fun. I've been doing like Cooter Fit or Cooter Fit Club for a long yeah. time. And back in the old days of Carlton, 2013, maybe 2014, we got like over 100 people to our sessions. And before COVID, we got up to 60. Yeah. Unfortunately, after COVID, we haven't quite grown the numbers as big now. But we have a lot of fun. We, we emphasise not just training, Ralph, because Swanee would know, anytime you had like time trials and stuff like that, you never look forward to training. It was only because you played football that you went there to turn up. So I try to make training fun. So we say 20% is exercise, 80% is about nu- nutrition, and 100% is about mindset, having the right attitude. We always talk about doing your level 10 best, so don't worry about anyone else, do just your best. Yep. And we often talk about blue skies. So whatever happens out there in the real world, we all fight, You know, we have our issues, but when we come into this community, we're all happy and smile and we encourage each other. So we forget about all the crap that goes on. Let's have a little bit of fun for the next hour or so. And so we give them a recovery shake as well, which is an absolute... I've been taking these shakes for the last 12 years, so I love them. And so, uh, yeah, and we have a lot of fun that way. So but northern suburbs of Melbourne sort yeah. of? How, like how do you Bandura. find it? How Bandura. do you find it? Online? Well, what do we look oh, for? Just so they there. can even follow me on Instagram, on Anthony Kudafidis. They can hit me up on there. We've got a yeah. Facebook. Oh, I've got a Facebook page, yep. Anthony Kudafidis. We'll put the links well. on our show notes or, as well. Yep. Yeah, on the Kudafit uh, Facebook Saturday page. mornings, when, what, when days? It's uh, Monday and Thursday evenings at 7 pm at Bandura Secondary College. Yeah. So we combine it all with a little bit of circuit training, outdoor running, and yeah, everything, and just work the whole body. All, 
all ages. You, yeah, don't, you yeah. don't have to be an elite athlete. You can be certainly. There's no elite athletes yeah. here, uh, Swanee. I'll tell you that much. No, any ages here. And what do you, yeah. but what do you personally get out of it, as far as the enjoyment of seeing someone just getting the most out of themselves? Because obviously that's something you're preaching. Yeah, it's the results part. And I know when I had Kuda Fit Club back in the day, Carlton, and people come to me and say, "Thank you, Kuda, you've changed my life." Because it's not just train. I know you can yep. train. You don't get that diet right. Doesn't matter how hard you train, you won't get the results. And uh, so we try to combine everything, create good communities online. We do online challenges for them as well. So, yeah, trying to get their you know habits and discipline and you know the commitment to the club, and then you will see the results come. When you see people that haven't run in twenty years, and then all of a sudden they're doing five k time trials or fun runs, I should say, not time trials, fun <laughs> runs. Yeah, time trial bad. <laughs> and then they come back with a smile saying, "I just ran five k." So that makes a you know, as much as you get the pats on the back playing footy, you feel like this is even more special. Uh, Blues uh, wagon this year? 100%. I, uh, <laughs> I thought last year top four, and uh, I'll stick with it this year. They, they've got the capabilities of, I thought last year beating anyone, but, but not Geelong. And, uh, but this year, geez, if they get a, you know, the full line-up ready, and we all have injuries. Just, just hearing, players. I was just about to say, I'm just hearing already, just some excuses, yeah. the old injury train from Carl all, all right, of a sudden. Let's, let's, let's beep that out like some of you swearing Swanee on this yeah. course. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like they can go a long way this year. They're due. They're due. They're, they're, they Where do you think, Swanee? I'd love to know. Being a Carl, no, I, like, we haven't done that much, but we will do our, our estimated ladder. I think, yeah, if when... Well, they have to f- finish high at the ladder at some stage, and they've got everything going for them at the moment. The coach seems they've got a good game plan. They've obviously got an unbelievable amount of talent. They've got two of the best, probably what six or seven key forwards in the business, weedering in the top handful of key backs. So they've got the the spine there. Cripps, obviously, well, well if, if it's not now, when is it? Yeah, because like, if they don't, if they waste this year, next year, and they go back down the bottom, it's going to be a waste. So. Yeah, I certainly. There, yeah, I, yeah I've top six, I think, and then you just got to get in, and then you just got to play well in September. That's Four, it. It's like be with Come Collingwood. Be also would be awesome <laughs> to see as much as we take the piss and I give Carlton hell on line and Carlton Collingwood prelim would be fucking unbelievable, oh, mate. Mate, you'd need a, uh, another stadium. <laughs> oh, mate, the world would explode. Melbourne yeah. will explode. Yeah. yeah, it'd be unbelievable to see that because we've so often seen it in me as a kid growing up, seeing yeah. that Carlton Collingwood rivalry it was unbelievable when I got to that club. But it certainly drifted away. But it's just slowly now, yeah, isn't absolutely. it? It's just coming yeah. back a little bit. Speaking now. of rivalry, Vossi was one of your great rivals on yeah. field. What are you seeing from him as a coach? He's been great. I mean, I, uh, you know, he was a great leader on the ground. <laughs> playing on him many times, Vossi. Hard bastard to play each other. Harbour fair. Yeah, like, yeah. I love playing on him because yeah. he was one of those guys. Like, we just went the ball, you know. He didn't yeah. have to, like, sneak out here, then, whatever. I just loved the way that he played his footy. So he's leading the club well, and you can tell there's a great energy down there. They're all behind him. He's going to get every opportunity to be able to win a premiership for the Carlton Football Club. And if he does, my God, I reckon there'll be a statue of him outside, hopefully with me next to him. <laughs> The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What do you reckon will happen on What do you reckon will happen that grand final night log on street? Oh, mate, you'll be there too, sorry. Don't worry, we'll have you there, mate. We'll be celebrating, mate. It would be a log on street in 1995. There was nothing like what it would be like with this yeah. premiership. Fantastic. Hey, so much to appreciate because it was pretty easy getting here, wasn't it, during oh, school time? Oh, mate, no, don't ever ask me to come <laughs> this time again, all right, because I'll be unavailable. The great Anthony Kudafidis.